Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. So, like KP said, my name is Kyler. I'm on staff with Crew. Um, my wife, Natalie, we we're both on staff. Um, and I work specifically with our Greek men in our Greek ministry. So, I want to start tonight off um, by bringing something to your attention. Um, so, this past Wednesday was a very special, important day, uh, September 22nd. Um, and I'm sure you all know that already, that it was a very special day. Um, last Wednesday was the premiere of Survivor Season 41. That's it. KP, I love how you set me up for that. So who, who's a fan of Survivor? Anybody fans of Survivor? That's what I'm talking about. Did anybody watch it? Yes. I, I want to see more hands in the room. Hopefully after tonight you, it, will, it will get you excited for Survivor. And so here's, here's, here's the deal with Survivor. I'm going to give a quick premise um, and I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just up here talking about it. Um, here's a quick premise if you haven't watched it. So Essentially what happens, it's a reality TV competition show where there are a group of people that are marooned to an exotic location, an island somewhere, and they have to outwit, outplay, and outlast one another. And so while they're there, they have to uh, compete in different challenges uh, for rewards, for immunity, um, for the chance to win $1 million. Uh, so that's, that's it. That's the game. And uh, while they're there, they're split up on tribes, and they, uh, in these challenges, they have to... Um, compete with one another, uh, you know, through the tribes, and then what's going to happen is um, every so often they get a tribal council where they are, one is voted off until there's one sole survivor left, the winner of a million dollars. So it's a great, great show. Here's where I'm going with this. What I find so compelling about Survivor, a lot of reasons, um, but what's so compelling to me is it's been on for 20 years. This is longer than some of you maybe have been alive. And so this, for, this is season 41. And so year after year, season after season, you have all these people coming in. And what blows my mind is how much they are willing to give up and go through for the sake of winning this million dollars. I mean, they leave their lives behind. They leave their families. They leave their jobs. They leave their comfort. Um, all this stuff they leave behind for this chance to win this money. And, and the game itself is it's very physically and emotionally taxing and draining. And so they're, they're suffering while they're out there. But again, they have this goal in mind that I want to win that million dollars. But this isn't just Survivor. It's life. Y'all get this. You know, maybe even in your experience, you, there have been times where you um, are willing to give up something for something greater. There's something of lesser value that you have that's maybe a more immediate but you look down the road and say, but, but that's worth more, and so I'm willing to give this up now. Or maybe, um, this happened in my life, um, I'm not willing to give it up. I settle for what is temporary, what's maybe more convenient, and I, and I, 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 lose, I, I lose my sights on, um, and I don't even go for what's um, of greater value, of lasting value. And, and that scenario, the, the settling, the not giving up, the temporary for what's greater. That's what we're going to see in our story tonight, the encounter that we see um, with Jesus. And so let me pray for us, and we'll jump in. God, as we open your word, 
Holy Spirit, would you do this text in us? Would you meet us tonight? Would you open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to, to receive what you have for us? God, would you, would you be made much of tonight? And as you're made much of, for you to increase, I must decrease. And so would that happen? God, we need more of you tonight. So would you do that in our hearts? Amen. All right, so as we've said, as we've been saying each week, we're in like week five of our series called Encounters. And the purpose of this series is to encounter Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, the essence of Christianity, the hope of the world. We just want to encounter him. And so what we've been doing, we've been looking at different stories in the Bible where we can zoom in and focus on um, who he is and what he's doing. Um, And what we've seen is he's met people, real people, in their sin and in their suffering. And just a, a quick plug here. So if you've missed any of the talks or if, uh, or if you want to go back and listen, we actually have a podcast. So it's the Crew at UGA podcast. We started this last year, and we're continuing to upload our content on here. Um, you can just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, search Crew at UGA, and all of our stuff is on there if you want to look back. Um, but tonight, so we've been doing this over the past few weeks, but tonight our encounter, I'm going to be honest, it's going to feel a bit different than some of the others. Though this is the same Jesus, same Jesus here, it's going to feel maybe for some like a call out. But I, I want us to, to, to get locked in on something that Jesus, his heart is still the same that we've seen in past weeks. And though it's going to feel like a call out, it's actually an invitation. It is a loving invitation from Jesus to experience life to the fullest. And so that's what we're going to see tonight. Tonight. So if you will, if you have your Bible or it's going to be on the screen, your phone or whatever you want to use, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And so I'm going to read it for us. Start in verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Go to the next slide. And this man said to Jesus, Teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, this man went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So here we see a a similar scenario to what we've been seeing. Jesus, he's he's on the road, he's traveling, he's teaching, he's welcoming people to himself. When this man comes running up to him, and this man, he's coming in hot, right? He, he's asking the big questions. He needs to get to the bottom of things. Jesus, I need to know something from you. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to experience life to the fullest for all of eternity, but also in the here and now? It's a good question. It's a necessary question. It's a question that we all must consider. But Jesus, he senses that there's something going on, something maybe underneath this question. 
Jesus senses that this man isn't just searching for truth. Jesus senses that there's something underneath this seemingly good question. And so Jesus, he engages with this man on this heart level. Jesus replies, what do you mean by all this good teacher talk? Is that what I am to you? A good teacher? No one is truly good except for God. And so if you're here to say you believe that I'm God, then let's keep talking. And Jesus goes on, why do you ask me but what why do you ask me about what you must do? Is this your framework? Is this your belief about salvation, about what you must do? Is this what you think that even life here now is all about, about what you must do? If it is, this is your framework, you know the answer. Obey the commands. Which it seems like you already know the commands. And so why are you here? Why are you talking to me about this, about what you must do? The man answers, okay. I'll drop the whole good thing. But you're still just a teacher. So, teacher, here's the thing. I've done it all. I've obeyed all the commands since I was a good little Jewish boy. But I feel like something's missing, so I'm here to ask, what's missing? What do I need to do? And then Jesus, he replies with love in his heart. He says, yeah, you're right. There is something you're missing. It's something big. In fact, it's what's right in front of you. You're missing me. You're missing me. So go, sell all that you have, give your money to those who are in need, and come and follow me. Because following me is where you're going to have life. Following me is where you're going to have eternal treasure, but also treasure here and now. Follow me. But what happens? This deeply saddens the man. What Jesus was telling him to do seemed to be too great of a sacrifice. He wasn't willing to let it go. Even though treasure is what this man would find He was sorrowful over having to give up what he currently had. Now this this story, it speaks for itself, right? It's clear of what's going on. These words of Jesus, they they pierce this man's heart and they they pierce our hearts. They really make us maybe evaluate our life and, and consider this for ourselves. But I'm going to say, I think there is an aspect of this story that that we can miss, that we can even disregard or neglect. And that aspect is that this man was called rich. He wasn't given a name, he was called rich. He was a rich man. And so, you may be sitting here thinking, do you know who I am? I'm a broke college student. (laughs) This Being rich has nothing to do with me. Like, why are we even talking about this? Like, being rich is nothing a part of my experience. I'm a broke college student. And I, I get that. I, I really do. I felt that way when I was in college. I even feel that way now. My mind can go in those directions. I'm not rich. 
There are other people that are rich. Jeff Bezos, he's rich, but I am in no way rich. Well, I want to address this objection and maybe this hesitation when we look at this story and, and clear up, clear this up for us in, in a couple of ways. The first way is I want to talk to you, a University of Georgia student. And, and I'm going to admit, what I'm going to say has a lot of generalizations. I, I know that. Uh, I know there are going to be nuances to, to you in, in your life, and those are very important. But hopefully what I get at is, is the point will apply across the board. So let's think about where you're at. UGA is Georgia's flagship university, meaning that it is the most sought-after public university in the entire state, and it receives the most support from the state. Year after year, UGA has been considered a public Ivy League school. It's true. The average UGA freshman has in excess of a 1350 SAT score, and a GPA above 4.0. This means that only A students come to UGA, or those who are above the 90th percentile, and you're in this room. Each year, these requirements, they continue to grow. This means that each year, UGA enrolls their smartest freshman class in their entire history. Hello, class of 2025. The acceptance rate is 45%, which is ranked number 11 in the state of the hardest schools to get into. And for those of you who are out of state or international students, it's even harder for you to get in. But you're here. But you in this room, you don't just excel in academics. No. You are some of the most motivated and involved students I have ever met. And I mean that. Y'all are busy. By and large, the students I meet on campus, they're involved in leadership roles across, in other organizations and extracurricular activities, from Greek life to SGA to athletics to starting your own clubs, which I know there are people in this room that have done that. You are some of the most motivated and entrepreneurial students I've ever met. Y'all don't just do stuff, but y'all excel at stuff. But you aren't just intellectual or highly involved, you're also extremely sociable and influential and well-liked. Many students I meet on campus know how to have conversations with people, know how to make friends, know how to influence others, know how to have deep connections with others on campus. And that's who you are. And because of all of this, this connects you to an extensive alumni base when you graduate and makes you highly sought after for jobs all over the country, all over the world. Think about some notable alumni from UGA. Our current governor, the chief justice of the Georgia Supreme Court, the Congolese ambassador to the United States, the president of DreamWorks Animation, the CEO of AFLAC, get this, survivor winner, Parvati, who was an A.O. Pi here. I mean that. Yeah, go A.O. Pi, let's go. I, that's kind of a joke, but it's real. It really is real. She did go here. Uh, but, but even there are two crew at UGA alumni that were here within the past five years that, were, that was sitting where you were that have worked in the White House press, press office and for two U.S. senators. 
And I know this isn't going to be, these jobs don't apply to everyone, but this could be you. For many, it will be you. And you see, the, the average starting salary of a UGA grad is $43,800. Average starting salary. And just so you know, this number, this number happens to be in the top 2.1% in the entire world. Top 2.1%, and that's what you're going to be making when you graduate. And even to consider now, you are one of the, you right now are one of the richest people in the world. If you bought a cup of coffee today at Jittery Joe's, like I did, your coffee costs as much as many people in the world spend in an entire day. A cup of coffee. More than a third of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. And 1.2 billion people live on less than $1.25 per day. See, what I'm getting at here is the possibilities and the potential for you in this room are often endless. You currently have the resources, the influence, the giftings, the privileges, the access to all that you need right now. And even though you may not consider yourself as rich with a lot of money in your pocket, you are very rich in the eyes of the world right now and also in where your future is taking you. Largely to do with you being a student here. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to clear up is the label on this man of being rich. He wasn't given a name. And while for him it did have a lot to do with his wealth and his possessions, this is also what defined this man. His identity was wrapped up in what he had. His hope was in what he had. He held on so tightly to his wealth he was not willing to let it go because it was everything for this man. In a lot of ways, it was his worth, his self-worth. It was his reputation. It was his value. It was his status in the community. And this is why, this is why Jesus said that he must give it up. Jesus knew the condition of his heart. And Jesus was inviting this man to find his identity in him, not in what he had. So now, in, in light of these two clarifications, and, and maybe as we start to consider what this could mean for us in this room, let's talk about what's true about following Jesus that we see in Mark 10. The truth is that though salvation is a free gift of God's grace given to us by Jesus. Following Jesus, it costs us something. It costs us our lives. Though salvation is a free gift of God's grace that we did not deserve or earn, given to us by Jesus, following Jesus costs us our lives. The Christian life is one of surrender. Jesus doesn't follow us, we follow him. And if we're to truly follow Jesus, 
We must be willing to give up anything that defines us outside of Jesus or that hinders us from living the life he's called us to. And it's not just simply a call to lose yourself for the sake of losing yourself. It's the call to find your truest self in him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a German pastor and writer, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, The Cost of Following Jesus. He wrote this book before he was eventually executed for his Christian faith by the Nazis in 1945. So in in this book, uh, he writes about this story of the rich young man and many other stories in the Gospels. And as he's reflecting on his stories, this is what he writes. It's the first quote. When Christ calls a person, he bids them to come and die. Second quote, he says, The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every person must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of the world. It is that dying of the old self which is the result of their encounter with Christ. You see, what Bonhoeffer says here is exactly what Jesus was saying to the, to the rich young man. If you want eternal life, it's only found in me. So everything you hold on to, everything you grip so tightly, you must be willing to give it up for the sake of me. Why don't you come? Follow me. But what's also true about this cost is that there is a great reward for following Jesus. There's a great reward for discipleship. Do you remember the story? Jesus, what did he tell the man that this man would get if he gave up everything? He said he would get treasure. The man would get treasure. And though this man, he had an earthly idea of what treasure was, Jesus here is expanding his vision to what treasure really is. Jesus is saying, you want treasure? It's me. I am your treasure. In me, you have all that you need right here and now, but also for all of eternity. And you see, remember that moment, Jesus, I love that, the, that Mark put this in here because it's true. Jesus loved this man when he responded to him. It wasn't shame, it wasn't condemnation, it was love. And because Jesus loved him, he was offering him the greatest treasure that anyone has ever known, himself. Jesus told him, come, follow me, have me, experience me and how much I love you. Come and know that what I have to offer you is so much better than what you just can't let go of. I am the life that you seek. Come, follow me. See, what Jesus was inviting him into is what happens in Survivor. People, they leave behind their lives for the sake of of running after a greater reward. Even though it's so difficult for them to do so. See, Jesus was saying, would you give up what you're holding on to for something greater? 
Leave behind your old life. Find new life in me. Yes, it's going to cost you. Yes, it will be difficult. But what you get is me, and I'm worth it. Bonhoeffer, again, he writes in his book, later on in the chapter, if we answer the call to discipleship, to follow Jesus, where will it lead us? It's a great question. What decisions, what partings will it demand? He says, to answer this question, we're going to have to go to him. For only he knows the answer. Only Jesus Christ, who bids us to follow him, knows the journey's end. But what we do know is that it will be a road of boundless mercy. Discipleship means joy. You see, just, just this past week, I was talking to a, a student about this principle. And we were ref- reflecting on his life after college. He's getting ready to graduate. And what he is, is uh, going to do next, he's, he's a Terry grad, um, but he is going to move overseas to be a missionary when he graduates. And we were talking about, he's trying to decide where he's going to go, what country he's going to go to. And when we were talking, this quote just came to life in our conversation. You know, we were talking that, Following Jesus is certainly a road into the unknown. We have no idea where it's going to take us. What, things, what, what decisions we'll make, what, what things we'll have to give up. And it isn't, as, it isn't this simple choice of what's the easy road or what's the difficult road. No, it's what's the road Jesus is calling us to take. And are we willing to go down that road? Even though we don't know exactly what it's going to hold. And how is it? How is it that, that a guaranteed reward is waiting for us? How is it that we, we know that there's going to be ultimate and lasting joy? What's that guarantee? It's the cross. It's the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. That's our guarantee. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. Humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why did he do it? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And he invites us into that joy. You see, Jesus, he lived it. He lived out the call that he made to the rich young man. He lived, he suffered, he died, not as our example, but as our perfect substitute and our Savior. And as we put our faith and trust in him, we experience a dying of the old self. And we are are given a new self, a new identity, a new hope. Through encountering him, he proves to be so much better than what the world tries to offer us. And in this new identity, he gives us his spirit. This is such good news. He gives us his spirit to live in us, to empower us to do everything he's calling us to do. Which starts with come, follow me. Jesus, through your spirit, would you illuminate your word in our hearts and give us clarity and boldness right now for specifically what you want us to do? Nothing more, nothing less. So UGA student, 
You can look at me. Thought I was going to close. I'm not closing. I'm almost done. <laughs> UGA student, how is this encounter landing on you? If you're here tonight and you're just checking out the whole God thing, I am glad you're here. I believe that Jesus brought you here to invite you to have life to the fullest in him. But if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, then what might Jesus be calling you to do? Whoever you are, are there ways that you are putting your hope in things other than him? Are there ways you're, you're fi- trying to find your identity in things under, other than him? What resources, what influence, what giftings, what privileges, what access and time commitments is Jesus inviting you to surrender over to him? And not just surrender, but to use and steward for the sake of him being made great and benefiting others. For you, what are you holding on to? And you don't feel like you're willing or able to give it up. Is it your future? Is it your summer plans? Is it what you're going to do when you graduate? The question tonight is, will you open your hands and open your hearts to more fully and deeply follow Jesus. This isn't for the super Christian. There is no such thing as a super Christian. This is for anyone who would come and follow Jesus. And so now I'm going to end with a suggested prayer that if you do long to surrender to Jesus, to, to loosen your grip, by faith and in trust in him, you can make this commitment to him. So it's going to be on the screen, and, and this is where we'll close. Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I commit to being who you want me to be. To doing what you want me to do. To going where you want me to go. Saying what you want me to say. And giving what you want me to give. For your glory in my life and in all of heaven and earth, now and forever. Jesus, would we not walk out of this room disheartened like the rich man? But Jesus, would you, as we surrender everything to you, would we find our truest, deepest joy, which is you? God, make us a happy people in this room as we surrender to you. Amen.